Hello, everybody, and welcome to Gaming by Design with Jesse Lee Humphrey. I am your host, Yoko Taro. Today, we are going to talk about uh, what is quite possibly uh, the best puzzle game ever made, Portal, as well as its sequel, Portal 2, and the Portal 3 announcement. No, I'm just kidding. That's never going to happen. Nothing with a 3 on the end of it is ever getting released from Valve. You should all know this by now, and if you fell for that for a minute, I am, I, I'm sorry, but that's your fault. <laughs> um, let's jump right into it. Uh, Portal is one of the, it's not just an incredible puzzle game, but from a design perspective, it is a really tight, well-made game. And if I'm honest, Portal and Portal 2 came with some developer commentary. Uh, the first Portal especially, came with developer commentary from the Orange Box. So if you guys remember the Orange Box, it was Half-Life uh, 2, and then Episode 1 and 2, and then Team Fortress 2, and then Portal. So Portal to Memory was never released, uh, except for on Steam, as a standalone game. Uh, in truth, it's only about an hour and a half long. Uh, I did it on stream, twitch.tv slash Humphrey. by the way. Um... I did it on stream in about an hour and a half. You know, it doesn't take too long. I bet that I'm sure there are speedrunners that can do it even faster than that. Um, but the first Portal game's not that long. The second game is, uh, I think, about six hours, somewhere around there. Um, and and the developer commentary on the orange box is the reason that I am a game designer or rather that I have a passion for game design because you get a peek into Valve's mind and the way that they attempt to direct the players in that you you sort of get the sense that like what they're doing is a bit more than just building a video game they're also going okay well how is the player going to traverse this area this is in fairness this is what a lot of studios do but having a way to to sort of track it and 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 see uh what Valve is doing and how they're kind of directing you or um, how they made decisions. It, it Just getting that window into their mind is incredible. So let's talk about it. If you've never played Portal, if you happen to be listening to this podcast and you've never played Portal, turn this podcast off, go on Steam and buy it. Portal is genuinely one of the best puzzle games ever made. Uh, and it's, it's, I, I would say it's not close. I would say if someone said, what are the best puzzle game? Portal, Portal 2, and then anything else can have a shot after that. And then I'd probably put maybe The Witness, maybe. Um, the Witness is a bit more of like a, a, an interactive art piece than it is a puzzle game. Um, even though it's certainly a puzzle game. So let's let's jump into talking about Portal. The thing that's breathtaking about the game, technology aside, is the way that the concept of portals are presented to you in a way that if you just 
if you had just told someone, you know, oh, you, you put these portals down and you can go through them and you can make things go through them. That would, I mean, I think that would work. I think the concept of having portals is easy enough that, that most people would probably latch on to it. Where the game really shines is the, the, um, preserve, like preserving momentum, preservation. That's the word I was looking for. I was looking for the noun, <laughs> uh, the preservation of momentum. That's where the game becomes, uh, just wildly different than I thought it was going to be. Um, and Gladys is obviously a huge, huge part of the game going into, cause you, you just, you just hear this, this robot and you think, oh, that's kind of quirky. That's kind of quippy. And I'm, I'm, I'm jumping ahead. I, I, I need to, I need to organize. <laughs> All right. Let's talk about the, the basic gameplay and the way that the game tutorializes the player on the use of portals, which I think is a, a pitch perfect way of tutorializing the player. Um, I think that the big problem is the way that Gladys sort of voices the instructions. I think that if you took the Gladys voice away, you could still tutorialize the whole game. I, I, I don't penalize portal for that though, because it is atmosphere building. Like Gladys is a part, like the test chamber stuff is part of the, the world that we're in. So as much as I want to say, oh, I don't really like that, it also has a, a world-building necessity. But the thing about the way that the game tutorializes the use of the portal gun is that it is, in effect, all done non-verbally. Because a lot of the time, especially like the preservation of momentum bit, you'll notice that after... Uh, like, like Gladys would say something about it after you've had to do it. So it's not, it's not like Gladys is teaching you. It's more like she's helping to reinforce what you're confirming already, which is an interesting role for a narrator to play. Um, so you, I mean, you start off with not having any portals and you start off just having to like time which portals you walk through at which time because they're, they're moving around. So you start off with seeing that like you can only have two portals at once and then when you place another or when one moves, that's what the, the beginning of the game tutorializes to you is that like there can only be one of each color existing at any one time. And so then when you, I mean this seems like it would be an obvious concept, but in reality it may not be. Uh, so, so I think that that initial section is just to sort of enforce, yes, you can only have one of each color portal, uh, and there are only, only two. Um, yeah, I, I the, the, so the game tutorializes you pretty well, gives you the portal gun and you only get to use one color and then you pick up the, the second color. Once you pick up the second color, once you pick up, uh, both portals, the game just completely opens up on you. And what's interesting about these, but like the, you don't get help solving these. If you, if you get help, it's usually after. So it's like a little bit too late. It's like, wow, Gladys, I wish you would have told me about preservation of momentum before that probably would have helped. Um, but you don't get, there's no assistance in solving the, 
the the portal puzzles. And with Portal 2, this actually ends up getting a little bit harder because of the gels, which we'll we'll talk about those gels in a minute. Um so you know you don't get any help, you don't get any sort of hints or clues. There's nothing. I was just playing the room recently. And the thing about that the that bothers me, that bothers me, uh, to borrow from Bill Burr. The thing about that that bothers me is that the game will hint. Like, it'll it'll offer you hints that you can take. Now, it doesn't read them out in front of you, but, like, if you click on the hint button, it will give you a hint about what you're supposed to do next. I don't like that. What the, what the fuck's the point of a puzzle game if you're just going to give me hints the whole goddamn time? No, let me figure it out. And don't even give me the temptation Remove that entirely. Because once it's there, I'm going to use it. That's what that's how gamers are. So what Portal does is it forces a lot how uh, last week I was talking about with Ori and the Blind Forest with those sort of uh, cataclysmic events that you get three of. It forces the player to do well and gives you the satisfaction because it's forced you into a certain state of being able to play the game. That's exactly what Portal does, is you get all the satisfaction of the, aha, uh-huh, and and none of the drawback of, yeah, but you got a hint for that. Do you know what I mean? Um, and the, the, the thing that I'm not sure if I like about the game, because I talked about this with The Witness, where you get to the timed puzzles at the end, and if you have been looking up the answers, you're fucked because now you don't, you've got no chance. You have no idea how to solve a puzzle. Uh, Portal, I don't feel like is like that. I feel like if you drop somebody at the end of the game and just kind of told them the basics of how the portals work, they might be able to do it. They might not. Uh, because, like, basically for both of the Portal games, the whole game is to train you for the final showdown. The final showdown isn't like a, it's not, it's not necessarily a narrative conclusion. It's more like, okay, use everything you've learned and beat this boss. Um, so the first portal, I mean, it keeps it pretty simple. It shows you the basics of portal and non-portal surfaces, which they expand on in portal two. And then it obviously gives you, you know, like the, the acid, the, 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 I don't want to call it water, but it is basically like acid. Don't fall in that. You'll die. So so you have a consequence for your failure, um, which is not always the case in a game like The Witness. Uh, with Portal, there are, there, there are consequences to failing. Um, but the checkpoints are pretty generous, so it's not that bad. And that's, and that's the thing that I think gives Portal a leg up on most puzzle games is that there is a failure consequence. You can still die in the game. Um, that's not something a lot of, like, you know, I played the witness, I played the room. There's no, you don't die. There's no failure. Like there's some parts of the witness where if you fuck up the puzzle, it shuts the screen off and you have to go back one, resolve it. And so, I mean, that's as big a consequence as the witness gives you is like having to do it again. Uh, but portal gives you mortal consequences. Um, which it contextualizes in the plot. And I think that what makes Portal so goddamn perfect is that every single every single piece of a puzzle is sort of itemized for you. 
Like, like you, you, you know, you start off, if I remember correctly, the very first thing you learn is box to button, cube to button. That's the first, I feel like that's the first thing you learn because that is the root of every single puzzle. More than, so they, they sort of, they sort of teach the simple concept first because you can just get it out of the way and you don't need to tutorialize it again. Once you do it once, everything after that's gravy, but it's also, it's also in plot given some context because you're like a rat in a maze. You know, Gladys is, is, you know, trying to run you through all these tests. She obviously needs to make sure that you understand the concept of putting the weighted cube on the button. And, uh, I, 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 I feel like the genius of portal is like tutorializing the simplest things, like tutorializing everything that you need from simplest to most complicated. And the most complicated thing I think in the game is the preservation of momentum, which is the last thing that you learn. Um, I actually think that the last thing you, you learn might be in that, in that little roundabout right before the fire pit um which is sort of like you know how to how to navigate an environment like that more efficiently but that's not that's not a solid to like that's not a mechanic that's more of like it's teaching you a different way to think about the portals more like the portals can be put anywhere at any time and there's like the only restriction is where you're allowed to put them um, it's very hard for me to describe the way that that last puzzle, the way that room 19, um, teaches you even more about portals than the rest of the game combined. Um, it also sort of teaches you that you can stand between the two portals. <laughs> I'm not sure if anyone's caught that, uh, you should have done, but it, yeah, it does teach you that there is space between the two portals that you can stand on. Um, But yeah, I, you, you get, you get the lesson in the weighted cube first, and then you get shown how to walk through the portals and, you know, you see that gun spinning around. So then you have to pick up the blue portal gun and, uh, then you, you know, you got to do a couple puzzles and then you get the orange portal and then it's just off to the races from there. And... Once you go through the whole, once you go through all the tests and get into that fire pit, I think the interesting part about that is not the concept that you get to escape. Like no one tells you that you get to escape. It's automatic. That's the most impressive part about Portal for me is that you see portal surfaces, you see that you're in danger and I, that's, that's the brilliance of the whole game is that throughout the game you're sort of you're sort of put into these safe little boxes with a few dangerous elements and you're automatically looking for portal surfaces especially in places where they're at a premium so your eye is sort of trained to look for these surfaces or this color of surface and so by the end of the game when you're getting your cake shall we say when you're getting uh pushed into the fire pit you're, you're trained to look for those portal surfaces. So when you see you're in danger, you're like, oh shit, wait, I could probably portal out of this. And it feels like you're breaking the game in a, in a weird kind of way. Like for a moment, there's kind of like a, wait, did I just break that? And, and in a way, plot wise, 
you do. So I think that the genius of the first 19 rooms is boiled down explicitly to that interaction that once you are presented with mortal danger, that's the thing. That's why mortal danger is so important in the rest of the game. Like the knowledge that you can die is so important because then when you're faced with that threat, you realize that death is possible and then you see the portals and you're like, but evasion of death is also possible here. Like you see where you can place your portals and it becomes, at least for me, when I first played it, it was an automatic response. I didn't die the first time. I'm not sure if there were people who played that game and, and died on it the first time round. Um, but for me, it was an automatic response. And I feel like for most players, because of the way that's designed, it's an automatic response, which is, I'm sorry, but that's brilliant because you're no, there's no other indication except the color of the wall. Think about that for a second. Nothing else in the game tells you that you can get out of that alive except the color of the wall. That's unreal. Think like genuinely think about that for a minute and think about how much training you have to put a player through to get them to see, oh, I could portal out of here. I could get out of here alive if I wanted to. That's, that is genuinely perfect game design because from that point on, it's a completely new game. You're now walking around, uh, the, you know, the guts of aperture science and, and getting to, uh, Gladys. And, and as much as I love portal two, it's just not as tight as the first portal is, uh, even down to that, you know, that, that ending of, of getting rid of Gladys. Um, which, if memory serves, they actually patched the first portal when the second one came out. And, you know, that's... They added Chell being dragged back into uh, Aperture Science. Um, so, I, I mean, everything about the first portal from beginning to end is purposeful. Every room, every section is is it's a little bit nerve-wracking there's something about valve lighting that just makes me nervous anytime it's not a fully bright room um i kept waiting to like every time i turned a corner i waited for like you know one of gladys's minions to come and like bash me over the skull um Ever since I played Ravenholm in Half-Life 2, I've been scared of the Valve Engine's lighting. The Stanley Parable was the same way for me. There were some sections where I was just like totally afraid. I don't know what it is. I cannot be the only one. Um, so let's let's move on. You know, obviously I talk enough about Portal and how phenomenal it is, but let's talk about Portal 2, which is a very difficult achievement to pull off. Um you know, you, you make this hour and a half long game and it's, I mean, it's perfect. It doesn't overstay its welcome. It's a, it's a bite-sized little game. You could hand it to anybody. They could get it done in a day and they will walk away from that experience richer for it and feeling a little bit better about themselves intellectually. Um, so let's talk about Portal 2 where the narrative really takes the game over. Um, that's what separates Portal 2 and, and the original. Because for the original Portal, it felt a little bit more about the puzzles and then 
you recontextualize the puzzles to then start telling a story and and break them out of that narrative. It becomes a surprise. It becomes a twist. Whereas in Portal 2, you already know the game. You know, you already understand, oh, I'm in these, you know, I'm in these test chambers. Everything in Aperture Science looks different. You know, the the the, the test chambers don't look the same. Um, everything looks a little bit more blue. And so because of the magic of the first portal, the second portal's got a lot to live up to, but it also instead... It, it also has a lot more plot to it than the first one does. Which to me, if, if the game has a weak point, it's that. It's that it focuses so much on the plot that the puzzles almost become a vehicle to advance the plot. Rather than the plot dictating the puzzles, which is how the first one felt. Like, it felt like, in the first one, it felt like the plot and the puzzles were, were pretty inseparable. Like, they were both working perfectly together. But in this one, it felt more like, well, if I want to get through the plot, I've got to get through these puzzles. Especially when you start to get into the original Aperture Science Labs with um, Cave Johnson. By the way, stellar voice acting from J.K. Simmons. Um I'm not as big on Stephen Merchant's Wheatley. I know he won an award for that, and I do think that his, you know, what he brought to Wheatley was was great. It fits the humor of Portal flawlessly, but I think J.K. Simmons did a better job uh, in terms of, like, whose character was more interesting and more, you know, voice acted in a more interesting way. Um so I, I think that the biggest weakness for Portal 2 is that it seems a, a, a just a little bit too plot heavy. I obviously enjoy it. I love Portal 2. I prefer the original though. Just because, and, and this is hard for me to say because I'm so, I love stories. I love narratives. Uh, and I love games that that bring out the best in their narrative. But But if you look at the first portal as a pure puzzle game with a cool little story on top, like the cherry on top of a, on top of a Sunday then portal two is like, there's a lot more cherries than there are, than there is ice cream. And it feels like the story is just, we're not being driven forward by the interest of solving a puzzle. We're being driven forward by the engine. Well, I guess I guess kind of we are because the puzzle in this case is a story. What's going to happen? But you you get the point that I'm making here. Um, I believe that the second portal is inferior to the first solely on the basis of the first had less in the open plot line, and it was such a pure puzzle game. Um especially in the first half. The first half is more like puzzle in a typical way where you're trying to get the weighted cube on the button. The second half is more puzzle in a movement way, like, okay, well, how am I going to get it from here to there? And then you have to use both of those concepts in the in the end fight. The, the best part about Portal 2 is probably the introduction of the gels, and even that feels a little bit like I don't know how to how to explain why it feels just a little bit wrong. I like it, but it feels a little bit wrong for for Portal. Um, but I do like the concept of the gels simply because it's not a new mechanic. And I remember Valve saying that they wanted to introduce a paint gun, 
which I think would have cheapened the whole experience. By limiting where the pain is coming from, you force a, uh, an assessment of the momentum and direction of that, the paint where it's falling from uh, tubes or it you know, comes out of tubes when you press a button, it becomes more interactive than just a paint gun. And I remember Valve saying in their developer commentary that they thought about it, but they wanted to just give the player one tool and you do everything with that tool. And I definitely think that that was the right choice because the use of portals to direct where the gel lands and what surfaces it covers is what is the redeeming factor of the fact that there's gel at all. The fact that you're still using the portal gun to direct where the gel goes. Uh, and it makes, especially with the, um, I think it's called conduction gel. So you have repulsion, acceleration, and conduction gels. Uh, blue, orange, and uh, white. And what's really interesting about the conduction gel, holy shit, you scared Sorry, my my uh, my fiance just walked in after work and scared the shit out of me. Uh, what was I talking about? I think I was talking about the gels. So what's interesting about the gels is the way that for the conduction gels specifically, the way that they talk about it narratively, and this is the biggest, this is the biggest um, payoff to an, a piece of narration that I've ever seen in a game, with the exception of the way that it's shown at the end of the game. I do take a bit of issue with that. I wish that it would have been a little bit less handholdy. Uh, but the, the way that they talk about the conduction gel is made from moon rocks and it's, you know, it's basically crushed up moon rocks and that's what conducts portal gels. Uh, that's what conducts uh, portals. Um, but it also apparently gives people cancer. I can't remember what the exact thing was. Um, or maybe he just like breathed in too much moon rock dust. I don't remember the exact, I don't remember the exact reason Cave Johnson started dying. But that little bit about the moon rocks seems to stick in the head because they talk about it a couple of times. And because it's voiceover and it's not something you have to watch, you're more engaged, like you're more likely to remember it because it's not something you could skip. So you have to, you know, you have to walk through all the areas while the voiceover is playing. Um, and then at the end fight with Wheatley, when the ceiling comes out and you see the moon, you're like, oh shit, wait a second. Conduction gel is made from moon rocks, pew, and you shoot your portal at it. The problem I have with it is that the screen does, like they do take control of your screen and sort of aim it towards the moon. And I didn't like that. I didn't like that they didn't let it happen naturally. Because I think if you see the ceiling fall and you see the moon through it, then you go, hey, wait a second. Moon rocks, moon... Because, you know, you've never seen the sky in, in Portal 2, so there would be a reason for it. Uh, they do something else, however, in that fight that I did like, which is uh, they found out through player testing that a lot of players were shooting the wrong portal at the moon. So if you shot the wrong portal then it would just replace the portal you had on the ground with the opposite portal. So if you had an orange portal below Wheatley and you shot an orange one at the moon, it would put a blue one on the ground below Wheatley so that it doesn't interrupt the flow of the game. And I very much like that. I think there are a couple of areas where they do it and they kind of save your ass. Um, but I, I very much like stuff like that because that's more... 
that's more to keep the pace going and it it doesn't really like it takes away from the satisfaction having been pointed at the moon because then it's then it's overt then it it becomes not obvious but but overt and in your face and like hey remember it's crushed up moon rock shoot a portal there whereas when you switch those portals it's more just like okay well we want to keep it going and people seem to be making this mistake um and they wouldn't have had that error had they I don't know. I, I think that they wouldn't have had that issue if they had allowed the player to be in a state where if they shot the wrong portal at the moon, they could look at the ground and know they shot the wrong portal and then shoot the right one. But but the player isn't in that state. So I think Valve took a little bit too much control from the player there and then had to do something to sort of correct, you know, what happens if the player screws up like like they are prone to do. So I don't, you know, I don't, I don't, I think that there are far more problems in Portal 2 than there are in, I think the original Portal is, is flawless, but, uh, the second one, you know, from a design perspective, it's, it's still just as good as Portal with the exception of a couple areas. I just think it's a little bit too heavy on the narrative. I think that is the, if I had to pick up a weak point. It would be that one. Now, if you've never played the, the co-op puzzles, those are a great time. Uh, grab a friend, get Portal 2, and play those co-op puzzles. That's, oh my god, that's so much fun. Especially when you are when you are essentially going through four portals. That is a, that is a hell of a time. Um, I did the entire co-op course with a friend of mine, Daniel. I've known him since I was a kid. Well, since we were kids, he was a kid too. <laughs> not not just making friends with random adults here. Uh, and we got through the whole co-op course. I think it's like seven courses that you go through. That is a ton of fun. Um, so if you have not done that, I, I strongly recommend that. What's interesting about that is the way that you... The, 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 the way that they broke up the colors... Um, because you know, on, on, when you're single player, your portal gun is blue and orange, but when you are co-op, each robot, you have Atlas, which is the short round one and Peabody, which is the, the tall, thin one. Each robot has a color. It's either orange or blue. And then it's, it's variants on that. So if I remember correctly, Atlas was blue when he had like light blue and a sort of a purple. Whereas Peabody was the orange one and he would have orange and uh, a more overt red. I can't remember exactly, but but I think that that was better to just stick it to there's one that both of their portals are a different color of red or different shade of red, uh, which are still that. I, I mean, that was a hard thing to pull off. You need to differentiate not not just between your own portals, but between what's yours and what is your companion's. So the way that they solved that was, from what I could see, it was, all right, well, instead of having you have a version of blue and orange, instead we're going to give you just blue and then give the other player just orange. But then 
those two portals they can shoot still have to be different enough in color that they are distinguishable from one another and still sort of a different color in your mind because that's the way you sort of separate the blue and the orange portal in the game is that like well that's blue and that's orange so it's sort of separate in your mind that you'll run into that problem a little bit more if you're having like orange and then light orange oh i've already shot my light orange portal or was it the dark orange? i don't remember which one it was so that's an interesting solution to the co-op problem, and I think that it's sort of undervalued that level of design. Like, it's not enough to just say, oh, you've got your two different color portals and then their two different color portals are a slightly different shade. It's more like, okay, well, we're going to separate you two. You're going to be on two different colors altogether, and then your portals will be shaded within that color category in a, like, they'll, they'll be different enough shades that you can still sort of, like, separate them in your head. Um, and that's wildly important to the co-op, which is confusing enough as it is, especially if you are playing with just somebody random online, um, because it's hard to communicate in that game effectively. Uh, even with the tools, the, the non-verbal tools that they give you is still a little bit difficult. Uh, but you know, those are, those are two of, of the best puzzle games ever made. Uh, so, so any criticisms that I levy, you know, I still think that they're phenomenal titles. What I do want to know is what if if the connection between Aperture and Black Mesa is just Valve teasing or if they actually intended to do anything narratively behind that. Because if you listen to when uh, Gladys is going down in the first portal, she says something to the effect of, you know, I was the only one who could stand against them. And now there's not even me. And she's clearly talking about the Zell. She's clearly talking about the Combine, right? Because that portal technology comes from attempting to... Well, at least in the first one, I had assumed that it came from attempting to replicate Zell technology. But considering that uh, Aperture has this sort of 60s and 70s vibe, maybe this is not the case. Maybe they were working on portal technology long before and then... Uh, Black Mesa got to it and just opened up. Uh, I don't remember the the exact way that the portal technology works in the Half-Life universe, but I would be curious to know if there are genuinely any plans to cross over the two universes or the two game storylines. Um, I think a Half-Life game with portal tech would be fucking insane. That would be unreal. That would completely change the game. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine Half-Life with a portal gun? That's unreal. That would be, to my mind, that would be incredible. Um, all right. I, I think that's all I have to say on that topic. Uh, you know, those are two solid games. I got them done in two streams. I need to pick up a game that's going to take me at least a week, you know, streaming two hours, three hours, four hours a day. Um, or I need to pick harder targets so that I can stay in a game for a little bit longer. Uh, so next week we'll be talking about Near Automata, which is my second favorite game of all time, right behind Half-Life 2. And so I'm looking forward to, to, to playing that. I'm, I'm looking forward to getting on stream and, you know, trying to be a completionist about that. Uh, I'm not looking forward to crying like a baby, which I'm bound to do, considering the subject matter of that game. 
but I'm looking forward to playing it. Uh, if you have a game that you'd be interested in me playing, or if you just want to send me a message, uh, tweet me at Jesse Lee Humphrey or email me at jesse.humphrey at gmail.com. Be sure to jump in the streams, uh, twitch.tv slash Jesse Lee Humphrey. I still need to work out a schedule. Uh, I don't really have a schedule. I stream around the same time every night. Um, it's around 5 p.m. UTC, 5 p.m. GMT, which is a bad time if you're in the U.S., uh, but that's around the time that I'm typically streaming. Uh, but I need to set up a little bit of a, a coherent schedule. Otherwise, you know, I'm not going to be able to, I'm not going to be able to, to build a, build a base of viewers, which is ultimately what I want to do. So, uh, yeah, that'll be it for this week. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast and, uh, and, and listening uh, I'm looking forward to suggestions and, and uh, reading stuff that you guys have said uh, on Twitter or in the email inbox. Um, this is this is you know very much enjoyable to be able to 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 talk about these things. Um, so I just love doing it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to keep doing it uh, as long as it is entertaining, which should be a long time. <laughs> Uh, But anyways, that'll be it for this week. Thank you guys so much for checking out the podcast and we will see you next week. Thank you.